Life is made up of many gorgeous moments. Cherish them all, big and small, with Blue Nile. Whether it's for yourself or a loved one, Blue Nile's unrivaled selection of expertly crafted fine jewelry and statement pieces help make all your moments sparkle. Blue Nile's experts are on hand to guide you, and their diamond guarantee ensures you get the highest quality at the best price. Celebrate a life well lived in the most radiant way and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Hi, it's Judy Gould and this is Working Scientist, a Nature Careers podcast. Welcome to this series on the podcast all about leadership. Each episode in this series explored leadership from a different perspective. We'll hear from academic leaders, research institute leaders, industry leaders, young leaders, as well as someone who studies leadership and what it really means. I try to find out what these people think leadership is, how they got to these positions that they're in, where they learnt their skills, and what they think of the scientific leadership we have today. In May of 2022, I went to Istanbul in Turkey for the 2022 Orpheus meeting. Orpheus, or the Organization for PhD Education in Biomedicine and Health Sciences in the European system, is focused on supporting research faculties and departments with their developing graduate schools. The meeting this year was focused on discussing the quality of training environments in academic institutions across Europe, with several member universities sharing their experiences and ideas. And whilst I was there, because I'd been invited to speak about mentorship for graduate researchers, I took the opportunity to sit down with the outgoing president of the organisation, Robert Harris. Aside from working with Orpheus, Robert is the head of the International Advisory Council and an academic vice president of doctoral education at the Karolinska Institutet in Sweden. I started our conversation by asking Robert, what is leadership? One needs to distinguish leadership from management. Leaders lead and managers manage, and there's a difference, and sometimes people confuse that. So I think that a leader uh, leading an organisation, leading committee, is actually uh, directing uh, that entity and inspiring that entity to function more than making sure it's doing what it should be doing, which I'd see more as management. But I'd I'd like to think that leadership always has an aspect of inspiration. Okay, so following a vision of some form. Yeah, yeah. Where did you learn your leadership skills? You learn by doing, and uh, I study um, by myself. And I do that in two ways. Uh, One is I studied leaders. And I've studied leaders in many aspects in, in how they... Uh, were good communicators and, and, and looked at leaders who have been very efficient communicators and, and to learn how they were successful 
So some examples, and it's not irrespective of the content, and it's very important <laughs> to say, because you don't have to believe their views. But, for example, so in modern times, then Barack Obama has been considered one of the best communicators, and, and most of what he said was, was good as well. So that was fantastic. The, his uh, campaign, uh, Yes, We Can, you know, was genius, because it came from Bob the Builder. You know, can we fix it? Yes, we can. And that was just like such a, a wonderful thing to learn that that's where it came from because it's really like, you know, keep it simple. And so I learned uh, that was a valuable lesson in communicating as a leader, keep it simple and don't, don't make your language complicated. Um, I've studied Hitler and Stalin, reading a book about the dictatorships that they had, which is very much the impact of the dictatorships, but a lot about their leadership. And, and Hitler, he prepared himself before each talk he gave. He was very theatrical, he used uh, a lot of body movements, shaking his hands, and he trained how he should even do those to maximum effect. And the effect was, the impact was that he could move a whole nation to, to buy into his, his ideas, which weren't necessarily uh, the, 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 sort of the most ethically sound ones. Uh, Stalin was, was different. He was very much low-key, sat at the back of the room smoking his pipe. But when he opened his mouth, then everyone listened to what he said. So those are two lessons to learn from there. Now, I'm cutting in here because when we were talking, there was a lot of background noise. So I, I wanted to tell you a little bit about something Bob said. Bob said that one other way that he was learning about leadership was by watching interviews with leaders on a YouTube channel called Impact Theory. And one of the most impactful interviews for him was with the ex-Navy captain David Market, who was put in charge of, at the time, the worst performing submarine in the American Navy. It was a ship that he didn't know, with a crew that he also didn't know. And then he said, I don't know what to do. So instead of telling people what to do, I'll ask questions. And this empowering leadership and getting people at every single level to buy into what they're doing and feel that they own the decisions at that level. And that's what I do. So in my committees where I have a, a vice chairperson, I give that person lots of space. The, the administrators who are in charge of coordinating, they get lots of space to actually show themselves. I don't need to be the one presenting everything, talking all the time. I let other people do it, but I make sure it's going on in the right way sort of uh, being a bit like a puppet master where you, you can't see the hands at work but you're, you're guiding but just by asking the right questions and making suggestions as opposed to giving orders and I think that this is an empowering leadership I, I do in my research group so my PhD students, my postdocs feel that this is theirs it's not me telling them what to do and then they put a lot more into it and I think that this is when it, it's not to say that you can't make decisions as a leader when something bad happens and you have to act and you have to come in and, and with your strong hand if it's needed or whatever and, and make those decisions and take the responsibility and it's not not a way of shirking that responsibility but it's a way of actually getting everybody to feel that they're part of it and I think that's the beauty of leadership and that's the model I try and try and uh, uh, live up to. Okay, so let's talk about leaders in science then. Yeah. Do you think that science is served well by its current leaders? There's no easy answer to that question because it's yes and no, depending on, on, on who, where and and, uh, and what. A university leader that's not interested in education is not a good leader of the university. A research uh, institute leader that's not really wanting to push for elite research is not necessarily the right leader there. So it's very much context-dependent. And the big question now is who's actually leading science? 
and who's defining defining the science we do? Is it the leaders of the organisations, or is it the funding bodies and and uh, the publishing houses, which work together then to direct the agenda? Are we being led by by leaders outside of our organisations? A good scientific leader will actually say, well, we need to uh, uh, modernise our way of thinking. So the directions of where research is going, I think scientific leaders should actually have visions of where they think the next big thing is going to happen. And now with the advent of uh, artificial intelligence, then you know you, you can't you can't say that's not an area that we have to 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 consider. It's not necessarily an area you need to be expert on, and that's where the scientific leaders could actually say, "Well, I think it's, we could be competitive here. I think that's where our our competences are." I think we should also always think of competence over prestige or, or other sorts of criteria. What are we best fit to do and what's the nature of our organisation? And, and, and that's what a scientific leader can do, to make sure that they're leading the direction of the development. And it should always be the development and, and to try and be visionary there. OK, Bob, thank you so much for speaking to me. It's My been pleasure an as usual. Pleasure. Thank you so much again. After this chat with Robert Harris about leadership, I was really interested in the difference between how we describe leaders and how we feel leaders. So I wanted to finish off this series by thinking about how we experience the leaders we come across in our working lives. So take a moment to think back to the last time you were in a meeting with someone and you knew that that someone was a leader. But how do you know they were a leader? How do you know they were the real deal? Now, I don't want you to answer this question with they had a vision and they were really committed to it and they wanted to see it become a reality. No, instead, I want you to answer the question from this perspective. How did they make you feel? This is something that Associate Professor of Organisational Behaviour Jean-Petro Petriglieri from the French campus of INSEAD Business School thinks people would answer when they were really in the presence of a true leader. I felt really accepted for who I was, but I also really felt challenged to kind of be more than I thought I could be. You know, you might have had a mentor that made you feel like that. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash boast. Have you ever felt like that? Do you feel like that when the people who lead you speak? You know, I've made an interesting discovery that um, when you ask people, what is leadership? They kind of, you know, spit out a list, you know, vision, strategy and commitment. But then when you ask people, uh, tell me about a leader you actually met. They almost never say, oh, this person is such a visionary. Oh, I'm really impressed with the detail of the strategy. What they say is like, oh, I felt when this person was in the room, I... I felt something, like I I suddenly started feeling calm or clear or cared for, and then I wanted to do something. And so I always say, you see, it's interesting because when we describe leadership, we think about attributes. 
But when we actually experience leadership, what comes to mind is a relationship, is a relationship which we are moved. Uh, in this beautiful double sense of the world, you know, moved emotionally, but also moved to do something. If you're just moved emotionally, if you just move you emotionally, you maybe you're a wonderful artist. Um, if you, you know, just move me physically, you're a bus. Uh, leaders, leaders are some kind of combination of artist and of, bus. Of, a, of a bus, of a bus with an artist at the wheel. Um, like and uh, and so you know, I, I. I'll give you the executive summary of my definition. I think ultimately leadership is a story that moves. It's a story that moves you, it's a story that moves other people, and it's a story that moves from idea to reality. If a story stops moving you, you lose motivation. If a story stops moving others, you lose followers. And if a story stops moving from idea to reality, you lose results. And you know, I don't know about you, but I think if you don't have motivation, if you don't have followers, and if you don't show some results, it's pretty hard to lead in the long run. Love it. Leadership is like a bus with an artist at the wheel. He did have a rather more poetic way of describing leadership too. Leadership um, is... Um, if you ask from my perspective, is a kind of love. It is a kind of love for um, an idea that you're trying to turn into reality. It's a kind of love for a group of people that you're trying to protect or you're trying to expand or advance. It's ultimately a kind of love for a certain future that you are committed to try to help realize. So, you know, there isn't one common agreed uh, definition of leadership. Everyone has their perspective, everyone has their models, and uh, they are some version of you are an individual that by virtue of your skills or your charisma, of your ideas, gets others to do what you want. If you think about it, that's the kind of uh, picture of leadership that transpires from most people's intuition and from, frankly, most academic models. It's essentially influencing others. And, and I think that traditional view of leadership is, um, is not just limited, it's flawed, it's dangerous, because it's essentially a fanciful way of describing dominance, of describing power. But to answer your question, then, how do I define leadership you know, more precisely rather than as a kind of love? I define it as the willingness, the ability, and the trust to articulate, embody, and help realize a story of possibility for a group of people um, at a point in time. And it's not enough for you to just say it. You also have to show it. See, there's this view in some corner of the leadership literature that leadership is storytelling, and I fundamentally disagree. Leadership is not just telling a story is embodying a story, is giving that story to others. Um, and so you have to present that story, embody that story, and then you have to help it turn it into a reality. 
As you know, Working Scientist is a podcast for scientists working in science, where we explore different aspects of a working scientist's life, from funding to communication, from team building to mentoring, and pretty much everything in between. And we do our best to choose the topics that are the most useful and interesting to you. But we would be really interested to hear on what you think. What do you think we should be talking about on this podcast? What do you think of the podcast? What topics would you like us to look into? And what do you think would be the most useful for your career? So if you've got a minute, please could you take the time to leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. We'd love to hear from you. That's it for this episode of The Working Scientist and Nature Careers Podcast. Thanks for listening. I'm Julie Gould. As you know, Working Scientist is a podcast for scientists working in science, where we explore different aspects of a working scientist's life, from funding to communication, from team building to mentoring, and pretty much everything in between. And we do our best to choose the topics that are the most useful and interesting to you. But we would be really interested to hear on what you think. What do you think we should be talking about on this podcast? What do you think of the podcast? What topics would you like us to look into? And what do you think would be the most useful for your career? So if you've got a minute, please could you take the time to leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. We'd love to hear from you. That's it for this episode of The Working Scientist and Nature Careers Podcast. Thanks for listening. I'm Julie Gould. Hi, my name is Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic, and I'm excited to talk to you about Club Med. Club Med operates beach and mountain resorts and is the best all-inclusive getaway for families. They have Club Med Punta Cana, their flagship family resort, and many other options in Mexico, the Caribbean, and around the world. Club Med are the pioneers of the all-inclusive concept, which is the best way to vacation. Great for families, groups, or even solo travelers looking for land and water sports, delicious food and a place to make unforgettable memories. Visit clubmed.us, call 1-800-CLUB-MED or your travel advisor. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.